You're listening to the Gates Church Podcast. For more information or to support this ministry, please visit thegates.org. Let me just read Galatians 5, 22 to 23. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So we're talking about joy, and what, what actually brings me joy this morning, as I, as I see everyone here this morning, is, 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 is exactly that. Just seeing us as, as believers joining together, sharing our tables of fellowship, and worshiping our God in unity as the body of Christ. For, for real, I, I thank God for this. And I was standing in the back, um, just watching us worship and, and hanging out together and having this fellowship, and, and I seriously felt that joy. I'm not making this up. This... this this is joy. And, and I think the Apostle John had this kind of picture in mind when, when he wrote in 1 John 1, 3-4. He said, What we have seen and heard, talking about Jesus, the Gospel, right? What we have seen and heard, we also announce it to you so that you can have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy can be complete. So again, I, I see this, this kind of fellowship happening, this fellowship with one another, that, that, and we're coming together because we have this fellowship with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, and, and, I, and I see that this morning, and it brings me joy, and hopefully it brings you all joy as well. And, and that's the point, or rather the, the truth, is that God wants us to know Him, to be in fellowship with Him, so that we can know His joy. So that we can know His joy. And I, I understand that sometimes it's hard to believe Especially if we're going through a crisis or, or if we're feeling down. But the truth is that God wants us to have reasons to rejoice. He wants us to feel joyful and to live joyfully. And he, he himself delights in that. I love the children running around. I don't really care, so don't be embarrassed. That's also joy. The Psalms are filled with hundreds of calls to rejoice, like Psalm 100, verse 2. It says, serve the Lord with celebration. Again, we saw everyone serving over there, serving with joy. Let's give them another round of applause. I know we're going to do that. The smiles on their faces, I'm yelling at, at Sam and Freedom to hurry up with the pancakes. And they're like, we're doing it. And um, that's, exactly what, that's exactly what they were doing. We're doing it. No, they weren't. Um, <laughs> so serve the Lord with celebration. And it says, come before him with shouts of joy. Come before him with shouts of joy. So God doesn't want our relationship or our life in him to be one that's kind of like dreary or one of full of sorrow or, or even one of duty. There, there are going to be times where there's sorrow and, and hardships and stuff, but our relationship with him, he doesn't want it to be like that. He wants it to be one of rejoicing and one of celebration. In fact, on the, on the night before Jesus was to die for our sin at the cross, he proclaimed to his disciples that one of the reasons for it all, one of the reasons he was going to die for our sin and send his Holy Spirit as, as a helper, was because he wanted their joy to be full. To be full. Not halfway, not, not a little bit, not three quarters, but full. Full. 
John 15, 11 says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. John 17, 13 says, But now I am coming to you. This is Jesus speaking to them. And these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. So Jesus so desperately wanted them, us, you, all God's children, to know the joy that sin had crushed. Right? Sin had crushed this joy that we should have in the presence of God. And Jesus wanted us to know that. So as it says in Hebrews, it was for the joy set before him that Jesus endured the cross. He died so that his joy in the Lord could be our joy. That's amazing. And, and this joy isn't fleeting or based on circumstances or based on, on, on emotion, but a joy that's rooted in the very essence of who God is. A joy that's rooted in the very essence of who God is and given to us freely through the atoning work of Jesus Christ. And this is summed up nicely in Ephesians 1, 13. It says, When you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed in him, you were also sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. And again, one of the characteristics of the promised Holy Spirit, of the fruit of the Spirit within us, joy. So through the Holy Spirit, we have the joy of the Lord within us. It's true. Romans 14, 17 also says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. On this topic, Greg Forster, in his book, Joy for the World, adds to this idea when he writes, I call this holistic Christian life, the whole Christian life, he calls it the joy of God. When I say joy, I don't mean an emotion. I mean the flourishing of the whole person in mind, heart, and life. This flourishing is a transformation that extends to all of life as an integrated totality. So the good news of great joy both demands and enables a total transformation in our heart and soul. Therefore, to know Jesus means the joy of our salvation is now written into our DNA. And is both sustained and cultivated by the presence of His Spirit within us. Psalm 16:11 says, "You make known to me the path of life. In Your presence, in Your presence, God, there is fullness of joy. At Your right hand are pleasures forevermore." So, as we walk and we live in the presence of God, we carry His joy with us. It's ours. It's our birthright. We carry it with us. It's rooted deep in our hearts in the knowledge that that our God is in control. It's an inevitable expression of our salvation and our hope. It's our strength to persevere and and press on in in trials and, and, and hard circumstances. It's what moves us to worship. It's what compels us to share the gospel with the world. It's who we are. Right? It's who we are. People of joy. It's who we should be anyways. And on that note, I'll be the first to admit that, that I go through seasons, or even just moments, where this joy kind of seems elusive or, or distant. And I think I'd be safe to say that we all go through times like that. Times in our, our lives as Christians where we've seemingly lost that, that, that awareness of the joy of the Lord. The psalmist they often express this disparity as well. Psalm 51, 9-12 is a good example of that. 
where King David saying, Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me, but restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. So King David's expressing that joylessness here that I think we all sometimes can feel. We all go through seasons like that. But compounding the issue, and I think we can relate to this, compounding the issue for King David is that he's known the joy, right? He's known the, the exuberant and wonderful joy of salvation in the presence of God. And so the absence of this joy has created a deeper longing in him that, than if he hadn't even known it at all. So, so he wants to know it again. He wants to experience that joy again and God's presence again. And he's got the correct diagnosis here. He, he knows the problem, right? So he's coming, coming before God with a repentant attitude. He knows the problem. He knows his sin has stripped him of his joy. And so he prays for the, for the solution. He asks for his sin to be forgiven and for his heart to be cleansed and renewed by God. Again, and we get both of those things freely through Jesus by his grace. Our, our sin forgiven, we reconcile to God through Jesus. We get those things. We get this joy. We have access to that joy freely. But I think I think sometimes we 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 forget this that we have this joy, right? And like I said, I'll be the first to admit it. Sometimes I forget it. Whether it's due to difficult circumstances or whether it's due to sins like envy or, or idolatry or for trying to find joy elsewhere. When we're doing that, what we're doing is basically we're forgetting that we've been given the very essence of the joy of God. Listen to, to this quote that I found online. It says, True joy is found only in Jesus. You can look up John 15 11 for that. If we look for God's work and gifts in our lives, we will always have joy. If we look for God's work and gifts in our lives, we will always have joy. But if we get caught up in temporary hardships and worldly desires, our joy will be fleeting and weak. Even in hardship, our joy remains because it depends on God and His promises. And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. I like how they call it sorrow and sighing. You know, sometimes I walk around in self-pity, like, you know, like just sighing all the time. My wife doesn't like it. I'll talk about that later. But I really like this part of the quote. That as Christians, it says, as Christians, we should look for God's work. We should see God's work and his gifts in our lives. We should look for it, pay attention to it. Because this is how we stir up our joy. This is how we remind ourselves of the joy that we have. And we often see this attitude in the, in the New Testament letters. We read how the, the apostles are, are writing to these churches, right? And they often are thanking God and rejoicing God when they hear of, of, how, of how he's working in the churches and, and how they're advancing the gospel together. And, and, and so seeing them just working together and seeing how God's working and, and seeing how God's blessing them, that this brings the apostles joy. It brings them joy as they see God at work. In the Old Testament, God often told his people as well to build altars and, and also send his prophets as a reminder. And these things were reminders of what God had done, what God is doing, and what God will continue to do. And, they, and, and, 
and, and he wanted them to be reminded of these things so that they wouldn't forget the joy and thankfulness and, and trust that they should have for God. So they don't forget that God is at work in their lives. And as humans, I think we definitely need these reminders because, because we're pretty forgetful, right? We're pretty forgetful. Yet even with those reminders, if you read through the Old Testament over and over again, even with those reminders, God's people constantly forgot. They turned from God, turned to sin, and then subsequently lost their joy in the process. Pastor Stephen Lee calls this spiritual amnesia. When we forget about the joy of our salvation and the blessings God has given us, when we forget about the hope that we have and the promises of God for us, and there's a lot of different reasons for that. Like I said, maybe it's because we're looking to other things to try and find joy. Or maybe we're stuck dwelling on and, and, and grumbling about the negative things that are happening in our lives or, or the things that we, that we want but we don't have, right? Or we're letting our problems or, or trials stir up frustration or bitterness or sorrow instead of trusting in God in the midst of it. And as, as, as it says in James, counting it all joy when we face various trials, knowing that God will work through it. But... And this, this is my problem, I'll admit. And I'm in my head a lot. I don't know if some of you are in your head a lot, but I'm in my head a lot, which isn't always a good thing, um, because I have a tendency to focus on and become overwhelmed by issues and problems and regrets. That's why I have no hair. Right? And I'm always stressing out about these things. And, and there's no joy in that, right? But, for example, a couple weeks ago, I, my soccer team, I'm, a, I'm on a soccer team, over 30 because um, I'm old now. Um, <laughs> anyways, we we played we had a soccer game. We won three to one. I scored a goal that game. Yeah, and that's all I wanted to say. I'm not kidding. But no, I'm just saying we we won. I scored a goal. We had every reason. I I had every reason to be happy about that game. But yet that night I couldn't sleep because all I could think about was this header that I missed and that I should have scored on. And I was just thinking about that over and over in my brain, thinking of. How did I miss that? Just dwelling on that instead of what I should have been dwelling on that we actually won the game. Or when it comes to, to church things, as, as a pastor, I want everything to work out and everything to be good and everyone to be happy and, and loving Jesus, right? That, that's what I want. That's, that's my desire. And so I often have a tendency to focus on, you know, the one bad thing that happened at church or, or, or how I should have said something differently in a sermon and I'm dwelling on these things and I'm having... You know, falling into self-pity or whatever, and I'm my biggest critic. Rather than rejoicing in all the good and amazing things that, that God was doing that Sunday. And when I dwell on those things, they're joy killers, right? They're joy killers. So, so in my life right now, I'm, I'm, I'm praying to God that I can change. And instead, I'm asking Him to open my eyes and, and my mind so I can dwell on the things that He's doing. So I can focus on those things. And like I said, fortunately, I have a, a wife as well that God uses to tell it to me straight. I'm walking, you know, I'm walking around in self-pity. She's like, oh, get over yourself. Um, she, she's, a, she, she's loving, but loving in that way. Uh, she reminds me that, <laughs> she reminds me, you know, like, stop, stop whining about all this stuff and, and pay attention. God is working in your life. God is working in this church. God is working in these people. And and in Him, we have all the joy we need. Right? And that's, that's why it's so important to have fellowship, too. Because we don't all have wives like Audrey. We need fellowship. We need to be reminding each other and encouraging each other in this. 
that God is working, that God is at work. So maybe you relate to, to, to my issues, or maybe uh, it's something else that causes you to forget your joy. Maybe it's envy. Envy is such a joy killer, right? Oh, they have that thing. If I had that thing, I would be happy. And so you're never happy because you don't have that thing. That's the, that's the, that's the worst. Dwelling on something that we don't have instead of thanking God for what he's given us, right? Envy is, is such a joy killer. Or maybe it's anxiety, or maybe it's brokenness, or maybe it's depression. The, the list goes on and on. There's so many things that can kill our joy. Maybe we're working in a negative or stressful work environment. Whatever it is, the solution is the same. And, and this is the point this morning. This is what I actually want us to take away, not pancakes plus syrup equals joy. This, this is what I want us to take away this morning. That if biblical joy is a supernatural response to the work of God, and also our strength to persevere, this means that one of the most important things that we should be doing as Christians is to make it a priority to start seeing and acknowledging the works and blessings of God in our lives and in the lives of those in our family and our church. We need to start paying attention to those things and acknowledging those things. And this is what it means to cultivate our joy. To continually fill our hearts with gratitude and thankfulness for the way God loves us and changes us and moves in us and blesses us. And so I'm going I'm to conclude with this. If we're not feeling the joy of the Lord this morning or in the same vein, if we want to grow in the joy of the Lord and expressing that joy in our worship, in our, in our places of work, in our relationships, in our evangelism, in our lives, then do this. Daily remind yourselves. Daily meditate on what Jesus has done for you. Daily meditate and remind yourselves about what Jesus has done for you. Remind yourselves and especially remind one another of the joy of our salvation and the grace we've been freely given, of the future hope that we have. That God is faithful, that, that God is just, that God is merciful. So instead of dwelling on our frustrations, or the things uh, that we want, or the problems that we're facing, we don't forget those things, we don't ignore those things, we don't dwell on them. Instead, stir up your hearts in thankfulness for what we've already, be get, already been given, and for what God is currently doing in your lives, and in the lives of those in your family and church. Let's be intentional. Let's be intentional, intentional, I can't even say it. Let's be intentional about seeing the works of God. Psalm 66 verse 5 says, Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds towards the children of men. Come and see. Let's pay attention to who God is and what he's doing. And in this way then, by the power of the Holy Spirit, as we have this perspective We'll be able to do this. In fact, it's the only natural response. Philippians 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for who you are.